Welcome to Spew, Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Quirinus, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter, Abby Kadabi, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 30-second meeting of Spew to order. Hello, Lavender. Hello, Queerness. How are you this fine morning? Oh, not too bad. I actually got some decent sleep this weekend. I'm kind of ready to start this next week off. I just have a feeling it's going to be a good week. I'm just... It's a beautiful day here where we are. Just not too bad today. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I've set up a class in my hometown and had absolutely no one sign up for it and I went to an art show and like gave out a bunch of cards and got an email list going and this is just not a good town for art classes apparently. Eh, but you don't live too far from towns that are good for art classes. Yes, I've got a couple more places in the works in those towns so. Which is exciting. Yes. Had a bachelor party that I did yesterday. I thought I saw that on Facebook. So it's coming along. Well, I'm excited. So November has birthdays and no deaths. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> the 22nd is Kettleburn's birthday and the 29th is Bill Weasley's birthday. A Thanksgiving baby. I guess it's there's only no deaths because it's after October. <laughs> right, October 31st is that hard cut off. <laughs> Everyone dies, and then, and then everyone goes on the Christmas holidays, and then when they come back, everyone dies again. <laughs> but we take a little break. <laughs> so, Lavender, what are we talking about this week? We're doing our final segment on Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. We do have a little bit of an update from our last one where we were talking about not understanding how exams worked. <laughs> Writer Girls Problems on Twitter reached out to us to let us know that in the UK, the way it works is, or used to work anyways, it has changed. There are O-level exams and A-level exams, ordinary and advanced, which translates to the ordinary wizard levels and the, what does an EWT stand for? It stands for something wizardry. Next examination, wizards take. <laughs> I don't know. That's just on the fly. <laughs> Probably better than the real thing. Nastily exhausting wizard test. <laughs> okay, well. So basically the O-level exams are for determining your classes in upper levels and the A-level classes are for determining further schooling or career options. So, yeah. Well, thank you for clarifying that for us. I, I still don't understand why we have to take a bunch of tests, but okay. So, starting with Beetle at Bay, I got this quote that I love when people hard fast to the rules when it does not matter. Exploding snaps got nothing to do with defense against the dark arts, professor. 
That information is not relating to your subject. <laughs> and that was that was Lee, I believe, and he got he got detention with Umbridge for that. And when Harry, it says when Harry next saw Lee, his hand was bleeding rather badly, and Harry recommended the essence of Murtlap. But, so that means Harry wasn't the only student that was subject to this punishment? Is this punishment not against rules? It's, ah. Uh. I think that must be a very British thing about, like, stiff upper lip. You know what I mean? And they just don't want to go, they don't want to go, you know, whinging to everybody about it, <laughs> more or less. Whereas in America, oh my gosh, can you, Im- <laughs> can you imagine? I also just wrote, Ron is a conspiracy theorist. I saw that. <laughs> I believe this was, he's talking about Snape again, trying to fit Snape into every possible situation, as usual. Yeah, you're not wrong. And it's, and honestly, throughout the entire book series, he, he is a conspiracy theorist. The whole thing. Next one that I wrote, I don't remember what exactly this is referenced to, but yes, he was suddenly horribly aware of his arms and how stupid they looked swinging at his sides. That was Harry when he, I guess, Cho was looking at him from across the courtyard or something along those lines. Yes, that sounds right-ish. Got very self-conscious. My arms sometimes look stupid hanging at their sides because arms look stupid sometimes. They do. It's a true fact. <laughs> Amazing how much more difficult it was to extend his arm 12 inches and touch her hand than snatch a speeding snitch from midair. <laughs> Some things are easier than others. Now, what was profound to me in this chapter really was, you know, all of, not all of, but yes, I guess, all of the Death Eaters have escaped from Azkaban, and everybody's starting to learn, like, certain Death Eaters have killed other students' family members, and they're subjecting them to all these questions. And so, like, a couple other students get to kind of experience Harry Potter's life. I thought that was pretty cool, because we don't see that anywhere else in this entire series. Mm-hmm. Where it feels like people can actually relate to Harry at all, almost, other than being a student. Also, Susan Bones' life is, like, so depressing. It kind of is. And, and I mean, and Neville's too, for that matter. And nobody really pays attention to these kids who have also had family casualties due to, you know, the Great Wizarding War. So I just thought that was pretty cool in this chapter. Got a Hermione quote. If there's an alternative story available, even if it's published in a, she glanced sideways at Luna, in a, well, unusual magazine, <laughs> I think they might rather be keen to read it. I, I like... When people don't know what to believe, they're more willing to believe nonsense. Therefore, you should put the truth in nonsense. Also, Luna. I think that's well said. Put the truth in nonsense. Seen and unforeseen's the next chapter. Hermione says, That's the trouble with Quidditch. It creates all this bad feeling and tension between the houses. <laughs> Hermione is not a sports fan. Why is there tension between houses? Why are there houses? This is a British thing that I do not understand. Wait, is houses a normal British thing? It is. Oh. Yes. I thought that was just a Hogwarts thing. No, and that, that's something that a lot of Americans don't realize is that it is a normal British thing. We had something similar in middle school. We had hallways and like each hallway was like a different color and that's determined which 
classes you had, so everyone in your hallway had the same teachers for all the same subjects. And they tried to build this rivalry between them, but no one really cared. Oh, I must be old. We just had A days and B days. A days and B days? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> so like on A days, you would go to a certain set of classes, English, math, PE, and I don't know, something else. And then B day would be the other classes and you would, you would have to switch them up. Huh. How many classes did you have in a day? Just four? <sighs> yeah, I think so. Four. And then all the, you know, the few minutes you got in between classes. To okay. So we did something... I think I was like going into middle school when they did this. We had four classes in a day rather than eight. And instead of alternating days, you did four for the first half of the year. And then you did the other four classes on the other half of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we didn't alternate, but we did move classrooms. Middle school's weird. Middle school is weird. And this was supposed to be um, Abby's, you know, first year of middle school. And then virtual school happened and blah, blah, blah. And they were trying to do A days and B days for her too. And it was just, no, one of the reasons that we don't do it anymore. <laughs> it was too complicated. Uh-huh. That's... Uh, schedules are important. I agree. But we were talking about houses and how that is a very normal British thing. It is, I believe. I don't know how... They normally choose houses. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Harry waited a while before going up to the dormitory himself so that Ron could pretend to be asleep if he wanted to. Very considerate. Yes. People don't want to talk to people. Let them not talk to people. Don't make it weird. Okay. Here's another fun out of context one that I um, wrote down because it was out of context in the book. <laughs> Professor Flitwick pressed a box of squeaking sugar mice on him at the end of Charms and said, shh, and hurried away. <laughs> to show his support of Harry um, telling his story. Oh, are sugar mice candy? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just mice? a box of squeaking mice. No, it's a candy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so many times... I don't know if something is candy or actual animals in this series. Fair point. <laughs> but Professor Flitwick is fun. Professor Flitwick is fun. And I and for some reason I like the idea of him hurrying away. <laughs> it's it just sounds cute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, and in this chapter, <laughs> we realize precisely how hopelessly romantic the boys in this series are. I think that's mostly the age and the, the time period but yes maybe i mean poor harry i mean no you know what i give it to i give it to harry cho kind of acted a little out of line <laughs> a little extreme i guess previously cho just kind of acts extreme all over the place yeah very much so just i mean with everything she does and then <laughs> i feel like there might be times where she just like uses cedric as an excuse to cry and get attention i kind of don't like her yeah not a big cho fan unfortunately and then um <laughs> hermione telling harry you know you should have just told her differently with a and i quote with a maddeningly patient air i don't know why but i thought that was funny i adjectives are fun and then just the fun little, uh, I guess it's not really an Easter egg, but for lack of a better word, that's what I'll call it. The fun little Easter egg of Fred and George saying we finally figured out how to get rid of those boils. We use Mertlap essence. Lee put us onto it. And you realize that that's the Mertlap essence that Harry put Lee onto, that Hermione put Harry onto. It all goes back to Hermione. 
makes you she so clever. <laughs> I did not pick up on that. <laughs> the next chapter, the centaur and the sneak. Just love this little quote from Frenzy. That is human nonsense. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> I want to say that all the time about everything now. This is some human nonsense. Usually when a person shakes their head, said McGonagall coldly, they mean no. So unless Miss Edgecombe is using a form of sign language that is yet unknown to humans. Yes. I love it when McGonagall snaps off. Although I, I, I'm not totally comfortable with the discovery that her memory has been modified for this purpose. But I mean, if Hermione had told them that there was a spell on this document, this probably wouldn't have actually happened, though. I mean, if they knew that something was going to happen before they told, they just may not have told. told. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just love how <laughs> you gave you called him Frenzy. I thought it was Ferenz. I only called him Forense because that's what that's how it's pronounced on the audiobook. Oh, well then that's probably correct. Yeah, because he pronounces a lot of things correct, like Knuts, and in the first two audiobooks, he pronounces Voldemort without the T. It's not until like the movies start coming out that they changed that one. Voldemort. Yeah, this is French. Very French. <laughs> Lord Voldemort. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do not mean to offend any of our French listeners. I'm just terrible at impressions. <laughs> impressions and accents, all of them, I'm terrible. But I love Ferenz's little little quote here about Trelawney, and he's not trying to throw shade or be mean. He just says, she is human, therefore blinkered and fettered by the limitations of your kind. <laughs> and all the children are just a little offended, just like, dang. <laughs> I also think it's interesting that the reason the other centaurs are mad at him is because he is sharing the secrets of their kind. Except, he's not. He's just like, you wouldn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what he's like. And I feel like even if he did try to share the secrets, it might would it would probably just go right over everybody's head. Here's another fun Flitwick quote. I could have got rid of the sparklers myself, of course, but I wasn't sure whether I had the authority. <laughs> I wish they hadn't cut so much of Flitwick's parts in the movies. Yeah, but then again, I think the same thing about him. About Winky, so... Yeah, but they just, they cut Winky altogether. And Peeves. It's just... And they seriously undermined Creature. Yeah. And his, and his importance. I don't know, is he really that important? And here's another fun Hermione quote. You know, I think I'm feeling a bit rebellious. Way to go, Hermione. It's about time. <laughs> I sometimes feel rebellious, and this usually involves turning something upside down. I, I don't know why, I just turn things upside down. That's my rebellion. <laughs> All right. And then Harry goes back into the Pensieve without permission again. Why? Why he do this? This is bad. Never ends well. Like, did he think that there was going to be any positive outcome whatsoever? I don't, I don't know. Did he think he was trying to f find out, like, that Snape was secretly b bad guy like Ron keeps insisting? 
maybe that's the only real logical explanation I can come up with. But I don't think that's what he, he was just curious. Yeah, no, he was just overtaken with curiosity. And even if he did, even if he did figure it out, does it, did he really think that he would be able to get out of the Pensieve and hide this information from Snape and get back to Ron and Hermione and tell them successfully? No, he didn't think. <laughs> Teenage boys, ugh. What was the point, we asked ourselves, of disrupting leisure time? Said Fred. No point at all, we answered ourselves. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> 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 Fred and George know what's up. <laughs> Basically, it's what this boils down to. They're also dangerous. Which brings me to a Ginny quote. The thing about growing up with Fred and George is that you sort of start thinking anything's possible if you've got enough nerve. <laughs> yes, they're they're wise and dangerous. And then another great McGonagall quote. May I offer you a cough drop, Dolores? I hope I can get on McGonagall's level of professionally smack-talking one day. Like, I aspire to that level. Okay, so in this next chapter, I went from feeling bad for the kittens to feeling bad for the teacups. Because now they are smashing sentient teacups. Okay. <laughs> Poor teacups. I guess, I guess they're not sentient. They have legs and they try to run away from them. So I guess they're sentient. <laughs> And Hagrid talking about Grop. They were all bullying him, Hermione, because he's so small. Grop small. Yeah, he was only 16 foot. <laughs> and Hermione, at that point, she kind of loses it. She's like, tiny. He's just absolutely minuscule. <laughs> and this is like one of the only times we really see Hermione just like lose her cool. <laughs> Hagrid make mistake. <laughs> when it involves creatures, yes, he's... A little too soft-hearted. Well, except here, he's like, he's like forcing his own beliefs on Grop. He's like trying to make him something he is not. And this upset me. And he's also like trying to force human speech on him, which also upset me. Well, it said that he also said that some of the giants did speak English already. Yes, but it still seems... Forced. Forced, and I don't, and it, it's, it's, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Why doesn't Hagrid learn giant? That's a good question. <laughs> then, then Hermione again, why does he have to make life so difficult for himself? For us. True statement. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a trivia question? Yes. Which OWL is Snape taking when Harry sees his memory in the Pensieve? This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. Okay, Lavender. Which owl is Snape taking in the pensive? Uh, Dada. Defense against the dark arts. It is. It's not potions. That's, that's really all the question is. <laughs> there is a multiple choice, but really, is it just potions or defense against the dark arts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's one of the two. So, in this next chapter, Hermione is losing her mind just like Trelawney. Uh, she spent most of her time muttering to herself and had not made and laid out elf clothes for days. Probably much to Dobby's sadness and disappointment. <laughs> yeah. 
He had just made Harry feel rather better by telling him how he told the examiner in detail about the ugly man with a wart on his nose in his crystal ball, only to look up and realize he had been describing the examiner's reflection. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple little funnies in the owls of just like just little funny stuff like that that happened. Yeah. Why did Ron think he was actually seeing something? Right, you've never seen anything in Crystal Ball before, now all of a sudden in the owl exam you do. (laughs) And he just didn't question it. I wonder if it just kind of became habit of just like saying what you do see and hope it means something. And so reflections just kind of became a part of a thing that they described for... We also see Hermione's kind of continued mental breakdown throughout this whole chapter leading up to the owls and how snippy Hermione can really be. When under pressure. But also very much in control. Because in this next chapter, I like the way that she is able to control Harry into checking on Sirius. Yeah, she uses very calm logic. Which also Harry being very stupid and not checking on him first. Right. Also, if Harry hadn't been mad at Sirius and actually like opened the mirror, none of this would have happened. Yeah... (laughs) I actually, did you send that, you just sent that to me earlier this morning, didn't you? I don't think so. Like a fan art or something about it, a post about that, that if Harry would have just used the mirror, maybe all of that could have been avoided. But I am not here to blame or shame Harry. This is actually, this is actually the chapter that I, stu- I at the end of this chapter, I stopped reading because it was going to be too sad for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is when it gets exciting because stuff starts happening. But then it gets sad. And I was not in the mental space to have any sad in my life this past few weeks. <laughs> and here's another fun Luna moment. Luna, however, stood limply by the side of her captor, gazing vaguely out the window, though rather bored by the proceedings. <laughs> her captor is just like, she's not going anywhere. She's fine. She can't move too fast anyways, even if she tries. <laughs> and, then, and, and then I didn't really realize how close together these chapters were, because then... We see Grop actually communicating with Harry and Hermione. Not well, but well enough. Hermie. It's just good for Grop. Bad Hagrid, but good for Grop. Way to go, Groppy. And then Luna's the one that has the logical plan that no one can keep up with because she's just like, yeah, I have a plan. She doesn't really share it because everyone else should figure it out by now. And I like that. Yeah, she's like two steps ahead. (laughs) Also, the Thestral licked Harry and it made me happy. Happy magical creature moment. Wish Thestrals were more like puppies and less like terrifying death horses. Invisible death horses. Yeah, which I the idea of everyone just floating on the backs of invisible things is disturbing and fun. I don't think I could do it. Imagine that or ride them. Or actually ride them. If I can't see it, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm gonna sit this adventure out. <laughs> Then in the Department of Mysteries, Harry is very convinced that he knows exactly what's going to happen. Ugh, I know. It, things, things never go the way you imagine them, ever. And Hermione actually hit this one on the head. She knew what was up the entire time. Yeah. Harry took one glance back at the Thestrals, now foraging for scraps of rotten food inside the skip. These Thestrals must be super hungry. No, just foragers. These two chapters did a lot to make the Thestrals from 
scary invisible death horses too, just like pets. Yeah, they really did. Also, why did the guest entrance just like let them in? Why, why aren't the doors locked? Right, could anybody have done this? Apparently. Also, it never says what happened to the guard or where he was. He's just gone. No body, just gone. Or not present. Maybe he took a long lunch break and took a nap. <laughs> it's the night shift, you never know. And then we see a moment where Harry only wants to work with who he wants to work with and doesn't want the other people to join him. And I relate to this. <laughs> In the next chapter, we get another mention. This is mentioned kind of throughout this book and... It, at this point, annoyed me. The way that everyone keeps on insisting that Harry has a hero's complex. That he has to go and save everyone. Yeah, it's kind of rude. But like throughout this book, it comes from every source imaginable. I believe Hermione mentions it a couple times, maybe. Yeah, she mentions it quite a few times. Ron kind of chimes in a little bit on it, but I don't think he ever outright says it. The, the, they... The, they put a baby's head on this dude and like it was still wandering around and this was very disturbing. Out of all of the stuff that happened in this chapter, the Death Eater with the infant head w was the most disturbing thing to me. And then I don't remember who says it, but somebody says you can't hurt a baby. Yeah, I re yeah, I remember that. Because I think Harry was gonna <laughs> come get it. He was gonna blast the baby head Death Eater. <laughs> And then Neville keeps trying to be a hero, but he does it in all the wrong ways and just leaves everyone for dead so that he can go and fight on the front lines. He's just very passionate about the fight. But still, like, I'm still very upset that Harry doesn't just, like, die in the last book and Neville, like, killed Voldemort. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the fact that that stupid chapter that half explains why Harry comes back to life makes no sense and I hate it. Yeah... The prophecy basically says that Harry has to die before Voldemort can die. And then you get the repeat of the line about the kid being born. So Neville still makes sense to kill Voldemort, but only after Voldemort kills Harry. I feel like it was that was the intention and then it was changed just to not anger people. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does have that feel. And then do you just have to ask the hallway nicely to go to where you're trying to go to? Because it's never explained how the hallway actually works but when they ask to exit it lets them exit guess most people are rude and wouldn't figure it out <laughs> also i absolutely love dumbledore calling voldemort tom yeah definitely and he's so sassy with it but i also wonder how many of the death eaters actually know that's his name because in chamber of the secrets it's kind of implied that most people have no idea that he is tom riddle and you kind of get the feeling that maybe lucius didn't even know it well you have to think about how old Voldemort is and if this is because it says when he left school he had most of his like you know his first group of followers already right and you have to wonder really who those people were and how old are those people right like, well i mean old Voldemort Voldemort only like 50. Oh, I thought he was like 70. He might be 70. Dumbledore's like 130. Here's another fun quote from the next chapter. Never try to understand the students. They hate it. They would much rather be tragically misunderstood. This is a uh, Phineas Nigellus. Probably the smartest thing he actually ever says. We also have a Harry yelling, Then I don't want to be human. I, that's, yeah. That's, that's, I just, I just like these quotes. They, 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 
speak to me in weird ways. Hmm. I think this is why I have such a hard time with these last few chapters because, and I was telling, I was telling my fiance this, that like this chapter in particular where Dumbledore is speaking to Harry after Sirius death is just the absolute hardest for me. Yeah, because this is where we find out that Dumbledore's kind of a jerk. Right, and once we learn that, you kind of, I mean, that's kind of like a loss of hope almost, and you feel so bad for Harry. You feel so bad for Harry. This guy, this kid has lost everything, and Dumbledore is just like, oh, now you have to kill Voldemort. You are the chosen one. I felt bad for Buckbeak. Creature hurt Buckbeak. This is when I stopped liking Creature. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Sirius's fault that he told Creature to go away and then he found Bellatrix, but there there was no need to hurt Buckbeak. And then Dumbledore talked too long. He did not get to the point. He just kept drawing it out. Made this chapter very long. Made the twisting of the knife in my heart go even slower. Yeah. And final chapter. Starts off with Hermione being completely okay with Umbridge being completely traumatized by these events. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they didn't even take her to grow up. Nope. Which is, I don't, I don't, I don't know why Hermione thought it was a better idea to take her to the centaurs. And then Grop just kind of shows up after Umbridge is already gone. It kind of feels like Grop is unnecessary because he isn't used to attack Umbridge. Because, seriously, they just have to tell Grop that she hurt Hagrid and... <laughs> and poof goes Umbridge, I would say. <laughs> Or splat. Splat's more accurate. Maybe that's why, is because she didn't want to kill Umbridge? Just torture her? She, she's- Just traumatized. There is no evidence to say she was tortured. Hermione's really into torture. Like, uh, between Umbridge and Rita Skeeter, she's just like, you're a terrible person, so I don't feel bad about just, like, absolutely traumatizing you. It's kind of scary. Go, Hermione. <laughs> when he was- in company, he wanted to get away, and whenever he was alone, he wanted company. This sounds very human. I, however, would rather just not have any company at all. Yeah. And finally, oh well, she shrugged. I think they think I'm a bit odd. You know, some people actually call me Looney Lovegood. This is probably the most that I associate with Luna. The way that she she knows that everyone like makes fun of her. But she also kind of, like, doesn't allow herself to know that she knows. Does that make sense? She doesn't let it change her. Yeah, but it's more than just not acknowledging it. She she doesn't acknowledge it in the moment and then kind of doesn't really realize it herself, even though she knows it. Kind of like the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Hmm. Okay. I mean, Luna is one of our favorites for a reason. This, this book as a whole is just very everyone is just tortured in some way yeah it's a very heartbreaking book they they like either like torture themselves or torture everyone around them they're all it's just everyone is horrible and that's all i've got to say about that 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 was not a good forrest gump impression god i haven't seen forrest gump in years we got some autism wizards for you this month This one's going out to the Best Buy in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So, little Parker is on the spectrum, and he loves everything to do with electronics, and he wants to be an employee of Best Buy when he grows up. Mm -hmm. So his mother contacted their local Best Buy and 
asked if they could purchase a uniform. To which they responded by telling them to come in and that they would make a whole evening of it. So they gave him a shirt, a name tag, let him pick out whatever candy he wanted, and then checked himself out. It wasn't just candy. He made off with a lot of goods. <laughs> and he was so cute because he kept like, bless his heart. He was like, are you sure I can put this in the basket? He was so sweet. This was definitely a feel-good autism wizard moment. If you would like to join our conversation, you can send us some owl mail at spewcast at gmail.com. Or you can send us a howler by sending us a voice recording there, or by calling 407-706-SPEW, or by clicking the link in the description. You can also find us on Twitter, at Spectrum People, or Facebook, we're facebook.com slash spewcast. Or also on Instagram, at spewpod, and TikTok, at spewcast. And as always, we thank Joan Burr for our theme music. And until next time, I'm Quirinus. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Lovegood says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye. Bye.